0: This is The Industry,
1: a show built by the working class, for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jet.
0: Welcome to the industry and happy Valentine's Day. It is February 14th, a Tuesday. So glad you could join us. I am Levi Jett. So stop right now. Stop listening. Stop anything you're doing. If you do not have a Valentine's Day gift for your husband or your wife, you are running out of time. You need to go right now and pick something up. Um, I'll excuse you from listening to the show, turn us back on once you get done and thank me later, but go out, get something, get a car, get flowers, um, go to the grocery store, get something to make dinner, whatever, but do not forget, um, this really made up holiday, but we got to celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, uh, you're doing time in the doghouse. So Again, so glad you could join us. Uh, so my wife and I had decided not to do anything for Valentine's Day. And typically, <clears throat> the male perspective is when a woman says that, it's a trap. Ten times out of ten, it's a trap. And you don't fall for it. So I'm sitting there thinking, all right, you know, we're going to do anything. We, you know, went out to dinner um, last night instead of doing it tonight uh and anyway you know i went out and bought her like a a new hoodie and got her a card um and that's you know all i was gonna do because i i knew we weren't gonna do anything extravagant but still i I wasn't gonna you know show up empty-handed that's that's crazy i'm not insane well unbeknownst to me really um she went out and freaking bought me a new vehicle, uh, bought me a Jeep Wrangler. So I'm really holding the short straw when it comes to Valentine's Day gifts this year. Um, cause what I got her does not compete at all with a Jeep Wrangler. So a very, very happy Valentine's Day, uh, to my wife who I love and thank you so much for that. Um, so enough about the uh, the lovey-dovey Valentine's Day stuff. Um, Super Bowl over the weekend was amazing. Uh, simply amazing. One of the best Super Bowl games I have ever seen personally. Um, yeah, I mean, both teams were in it the whole entire time. A lot of offense, a lot of really impressive, spectacular plays made. Um and just all around a, a great game. It's not often that we really get the two best teams from each conference in the big game, uh, but I really believe we did this year. And the Super Bowl game that happened was evidence of that. Uh, a really good game all the way down to the Y. Now, some people out there are taking exception to kind of how the game ended. Uh, there was a somewhat controversial uh, holding call. Uh, called on Philadelphia, that really iced the game for Kansas City. Uh, I don't know if it would have ended differently had that not been called. Uh, Kansas City would have still kicked a cheap shot field goal to give them the lead. The Eagles would have had the ball with about a minute, uh, minute or so to spare. Maybe a one timeout too. I can't remember. Um, but so you know, they would they would have had to get into field goal range within a minute, uh, which is doable in today's NFL. Um, but still, it, it would have given them much more of a chance than the, uh, I think, seven seconds they had or eight seconds it ended up being. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that in a, in a situation like that, in a spot like that, the the penalty, the guy had his hand on him. I, I, I didn't really see any holding going on. Um, he certainly didn't disrupt his route or anything like that. Uh, it was a bad throw, a bad route, and that's kind of why he was out of position. It wasn't because of the defender. So, and I think in a moment like that, you, you got to let him play a little bit. Um, but again, on the flip of it if, it, if it had been a little bit more holding and they didn't call it at all, um, the same would be said for Kansas City. You know, they'd be up in arms, especially if uh, Philly got the ball back and was able to score a touchdown and win the game. Um, so, but still, one of the best Super Bowls that I have seen uh, definitely in a long time, maybe ever. Um, but now we're entering the football drought, and at least for me. i huge football fan. I'm, I like baseball, and um, I watch basketball too, but football is really my sport. So, we're entering the football drought, um, so to speak. Uh, we have the USFL coming up, but who cares? Um, that's That's... That's the worst football that is played. Uh, I would rather go any day of the week and watch freshman high school football um, instead of the USFL. Um, All right. So looking at weather for the week ahead. Uh, We'll check in with WeatherWorks here in just a moment. Uh, From what I'm seeing, we're still enjoying warm weather. I mean, in Indianapolis right now, it's 57 degrees. It's very cloudy, very overcast, Um, but it's warm. It's nice out. Uh, tomorrow is supposed to be even warmer uh, before a system moves in. It's going to bring a lot of snow um, up to the upper Midwest, uh, but places from really Chicago and south uh, are going to miss out on snow yet again. Uh, going to be a chance of severe weather. It looks like for us, and um, then a little bit of a like a one day you know cold stretch before temperatures start to recover and we're back into the forties and fifties and even sixties, um, in the long range forecast. So this winter keeps going with, uh, and, 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 given issues to cold weather from really being able to set in. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess it depends on what side of the fence you are. You know, if you're a snow lover, you're hating it. If you got a lot of per push contracts, you're hating it, but If you don't like snow or if you have seasonal contracts for snow removal, uh, you're loving this winter. Absolutely loving it because you're making out like a bandit for sure. So we will uh, check in with WeatherWorks right now and check in with the professionals and let them tell you what they're seeing.
1: Thank you, Levi. I'm meteorologist Brad Miller here at WeatherWorks Consulting Meteorologists and the co-host of our very own podcast called The Weather Lounge. Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023, and we start off this week relatively quiet across the country. We have one storm that has now exited off the East Coast after producing some wintry weather over the weekend across the Appalachians. A weak disturbance will swing through northern New England Monday night and lend to a few snow showers, but amounts will be on the lighter side, generally a coating to an inch or two in spots. After that, we turn our attention to the southwestern U.S. as a series of storms will develop here through midweek and trek northeastward into the northern plains and Midwest. And while there isn't any actual Arctic air, it is still february so the snow will fall on the cold side of these systems meanwhile a southwest flow ahead of these storm systems will send mild air into the northeast and new england resulting in temperatures well above normal for the middle of the week in fact afternoon highs on wednesday and thursday along the i-95 corridor will be well into the 50s and even 60s however the warm air does come with a price as this will open up The Gulf of Mexico, and there is a risk for severe weather across the southern plains into the southeastern U.S. Wednesday and Thursday. Strong storms that will produce damaging winds can be expected, along with the possibility of a few tornadoes. Colder air will then sweep in behind the last system late Thursday and lend to the potential for at least some snow across the Great Lakes, including Chicago. Eventually, the rain from this system will reach the east coast by Friday and could end as some wet snow for interior parts of the northeast as this colder air wraps in to the storm before it exits into eastern Canada. This will be followed by at least a seasonable start to the weekend, but still no sustained cold air anytime soon. There are signs towards a colder pattern for the end of the month and into March, so we'll just have to wait and see how things evolve over the next few weeks. And remember, some of our best snowstorms here in the Northeast have occurred in March. Levi, back to you.
0: Welcome back, and we thanks WeatherWorks so much for another fantastic update. Really appreciate the partnership with them. And if you are looking for a professional weather service. Um, do your research on WeatherWorks. Uh, they have price points and plans for, for really any budget um, and any industry, uh, but they are, you know, one of the originals in doing this and the technology, what they offer is is really awesome. Um, Caliber uses it. And so, you know, I get WeatherWorks updates every day from that and they really are um, extremely useful. Uh, they send me a, uh, an hour-by-hour forecast during uh, possible winter weather events that will show you the ground temperature, the air temperature, precipitation, and whether or not you need to apply um, de-ice material. Uh, so that's something that it, it, it's always awesome to, to reference really quick um, and help you make better decisions operationally, which I think we're all trying to do. Um, so, all right. This week, I, most of the time I go after providers Um, and I'm, you know, critiquing, if not flat out criticizing Um, and really, I think I said it in one of the the first episodes that we did, you know, this this service provider uh, management company and end client is what I'll call them. Uh, relationship is a three-way street. And when it goes good, normally all three sides are doing the right thing. When it goes bad, not necessarily all three have to be, you know, doing something to make it bad. But there are three sides of this equation. And so a lot of the times I go in, kind of heavy on the providers, uh, just because I I think there is a lot of room for improvement throughout the industry. And eventually, I will go in on management companies. I have a little bit in some previous episodes, but I got to be careful there considering I work for a management company. Now, I've also said that Caliber is very different from a lot of management companies out there and so much so that i don't even really put them in the barrel the same barrel of management companies uh i i just wouldn't uh to me what they do with their partnerships both on the provider side and the customer side makes it just kind of an uh, something else entirely different um but at, at, at some point we will go in on cu- or not customers, um, management companies and maybe give them a little run for their money and you know start talking about them. But today, uh, today my crosshairs are the customer part of the relationship. So in the end, customer. Um, looking at the customer side of the partnership. So customers often preach that they want partnership. That's the type of relationship that they want, that it's a give and take, it's a partnership. And, you know, it sounds fantastic. It really does and there are a lot of customers out there that probably treat it just how they're they're saying that it should be that it's a partnership but there are also a lot of instances where customers are not creating the atmosphere needed for everyone to succeed And I'm gonna take the management company component out of it and just talk about provider, customer. And if you want, you can even put the management company into the provider barrel for uh, this conversation. So, one of the things that causes just a lot of tension between a client and a provider, is the scope of work and what it means. See, your your scope of work is assuming your site is already maintenance ready. Again, we're talking about landscaping here. It's getting to be that time of year. It feels like spring right now. But it has to be maintenance ready for that scope of work to really stand up and make sense. Because if you're taking over a property that's been neglected, even just for one growing season, but let alone two or three years or more. If you're taking over that property, there's going to be a lot to do to get it to look like the scope of work suggests it will. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of labor, a lot of equipment. And so should that cost fall on the provider? I don't think it should. Don't think it should at all. Because generally speaking, the the contract, the money that the customer is paying is for a maintenance package, a maintenance agreement, not maintenance plus, you know, restoring what is decayed for the last three or four years. That somehow... You're supposed to spend the first eight weeks of the contract doing a weekly cleanup of the property, trying to get everything in order and spending countless hours there to make it look right. Well, I got news. If you're doing that, you will be upside down on your agreement. In the first month or two. That means for the rest of the season. They're not making mine. Contract starts in April. And by mid-May, they may have spent more than the contract is worth trying to get the property into maintenance shape. And that's an issue because it's a hot button issue with customers, making sure the provider is adhering to the scope of work. But holding them to that standard on a property they've not been working, it is really borderline unethical. You have to give them a fighting chance. There's a lot of providers out there that could hold a site to the scope of work If it was given to them in pristine condition, it's, it's an easy sell at that point. And really, you know, if, if that's the situation, most of the time, then these contracts really aren't half bad, but when you're looking at contracts that have been, you know, combed over and combed over and combed over to shave every penny, um, that they think they're paying extra you are trying to cut any costs they can off of that deal to get it as low as they can and then holding you to, we'll call it the scope of work plus. The scope of work plus um, a complete revamp of landscaping. Scope of work plus, you know, having to, rip out 30 dead trees and 40 dead bushes. Scope of work plus having to do major renovations to mulch beds. That isn't the scope of work. And customers that fall into that category of what I'm speaking on that's not how the partnership works. And I I understand because a lot of customers out there too, they will give you the opportunity to kind of raise your hand and say, hey, this site needs, you know, needs some love. It it needs more than, but you have to give a decent amount of time for people to get out to these sites and really look at it. And when you get into a, a spot where maybe it's a little, I don't know, it's a little close to that timeline, that, um, that sanctuary time that you're going to give them, common sense. Common sense says, you know, a, a, a fence line that is overgrown to the point you can't see the fence anymore didn't happen in that first month of growing season they've had the contract. Right? It's been months, if not years, of growth. It's been multiple growing seasons. And then you get into out of scope work. You know, what does out of scope work mean to a provider? We already talked about the fact that the contracts may not always pay the best. They may be, you know, kind of scrappy, they may be a little cheaper. And, you know, guys are taking them, you know, knowing, all right, you know, I'm, I'm not going not gonna to be a rich man because I, I, I just, you know, picked up, you know, 10 landscape sites for, for maintenance. What they're looking for is out of scope opportunities on the site. That's where they're able to make some money back. That's where it becomes profitable for them. But in order to do that, the customer has to be willing to approve that work. And that's something else. So if you're bringing in someone to do your landscaping and you're not doing it in-house, that company is going to be looking at your entire landscaping trying to help you make your site look the best it possibly can. And they may bring you suggestions and ideas or or straight up things that need repair to replace that are damaged that do not fall in their scope of work. And it's on you to approve these requests. Now, should they be competitively priced? Absolutely. They absolutely should be. And if you're a provider that's you know trying to make a ninety percent margin on everything, shame on you. But if you're not willing to spend the money on enhancements and out of scope opportunities, then you might as well do your landscaping in house because you really are taking uh, taking a lot away from that provider. Because here's something else to think about. When a provider has the opportunity to do more work on that property, if they're doing the scope of work that's in their maintenance agreement, plus helping you accomplish enhancements and out of scopes, plus maybe even you know uh, being transcendent with trades. Maybe they're able to repair a fence or patch some asphalt or fix some damaged bollards or light poles. Maybe they're able to to do more than just landscaping. But the idea is they're always keeping an eye on your property for you and trying to help you out but the more and more they work on a property the property becomes their property and now we're we're really talking about something pretty special we're talking about a property they care about it's not just an extra an extra account on the route it's not just something that you know they they've got a hit every week it's something they look forward to they take pride in that they want to be there every week they're excited to go there because hey they know that you know that it, they might be able to make some extra money they know that this customer actually cares about how their property looks and so now they might even be able to be a little creative, you know, tap that creativity bug in them. And so now it's not just a a maintenance service package anymore. You know, they're actually feeling like landscapers, not just landscape maintenance. But it's so important because that's when the partnership is at its peak. When the customer feels good, feels great about the work and the customer trusts that the provider is doing what they say they're going to do, that pricing for any out of scope that they give is fair. The work is done in a timely fashion and exceeds expectations. And there's awesome communication. You know, that's when your customer is going to be the happiest. And your provider is going to be happy when, when, yeah, they're able to make a little bit of extra money. They're able to take more ownership in that property because, well, they actually care now. They have more skin in the game. And when there's when there's excitement there, you know, that's it it benefits both sides. And that partnership is really allowed to to grow into something special. But on the customer side of things. You have to understand that the maintenance package by itself is only going to get you so far. You know, your your property is not going to look like a golf course with, you know, your most basic of landscape packages, your mow, trim, and, and blow, right? It's not going to look like the master's. So, in order, if if that's your goal, if you have a really nice property with a lot of, you know, potential venues for landscape enhancements. You have a lot of natural beds and, um, you know, things built that, again, may have just been neglected. But it has the potential to be something great. Give your service provider the opportunity to make it great because they want to. They want to. And in the same breath, service providers, if you get the chance, don't make me look stupid. If the customer is giving you a chance to to really to really take ownership to really make that property so someplace you can showcase don't don't fumble that opportunity make the most out of it you know there's a reason I'm talking about it because customers like that are few and far between But as a customer, if you want these services, if you want property management and facilities management, and you want exterior services management, that has to be an active part. Like you have to play an active part in that partnership. It's a real tough pill to swallow on the management company side and the provider side, when you're trying to do everything that you can with no feedback from the customer side, you know we're 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 seeing enhancement possibilities and passing them forward, and instead of hearing something like. Hey, you know, we just don't have the budget for it right now. Or hey, maybe, but can you rework it a little bit for to for it to be cheaper? Or maybe for it to include this as well. Instead of that, it's crickets. Nothing. That's not how a partnership works. We have to hear from you. It makes us better. It makes us better. If there is a provider or a management company out there right now not willing to take that criticism, get away from them. Because a good company, a reputable company, they want the criticism. They want the feedback. They want to improve. And that's what it comes down to. Is the communication in that partnership. If you want better out of the companies you're working with, tell them that. If they're doing a good job, tell them that. If you want enhancement proposals, tell them that. If you don't want any more enhancement proposals, tell them that. But you have to communicate. And when we're going back to that, that three-pronged relationship. There's a lot of communication that happens within that, that triangle. But it's most often, at least in some of my experiences throughout the years, that Communication from the customer is the smallest piece of that pie of communication. Communication between management companies and providers, and that happens all the time, every day, has to. But communication between the customer And the management company, and I'm not talking about any communication, I'm talking about communication that's beneficial to both sides. Communication is often that one way street that pounded in, you know, you're going to listen to what I have to say. And if you have any business, I really don't care what it is. We're just going to keep moving on. That's not a partnership. It's not. Looking at my wife and I, we have a marriage, but it's a partnership. It 100% is. If either one of us decided, hey, you know what? We really don't care what the other party has to say anymore. That communication is going to be a one-sided street, a one-way street, and that's how it's going to be. Then, you know, that, that's not good news for the marriage. So, you have to have... That communication all the way around. And again, if it's when it comes to the enhancements and out of scopes and the opportunities to make your facility look better, if you don't want them, it's not the right time, or whatever else is going on, be transparent. Tell them, hey, I see it. I see what you're doing. And unfortunately, we we just don't have the money right now. Or unfortunately, you know, exterior maintenance upgrades just aren't a priority for us. And, you know, we're, we're all adults. We can take that and move on. But it needs to be said. Just just ignoring it again that's just not good um good partnership skills not com- not good communication skills it is just not good so to make all of this work we have to have great communication We have to have great education. Every side of this equation has to be properly educated. And if we have, if we can check the box on those two items, then we're light years ahead of people who cannot check those boxes. And I'm hoping that more customers start to become more transparent with how they communicate and have a greater understanding of the providers they use, of how the providers they use, Operate in their business. What they need out of that partnership. All right. We are going to wrap this up for this week's episode of The Industry. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to check us out on Facebook. Give us a like and a follow there. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Also, be sure to um, give us a rating, give us a comment, feedback, whatever it is on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever. Um, Greatly appreciate any feedback. If you have any questions for the show, comments, suggestions, what have you, please reach out to me directly at Levi at com. Uh, you can also reach me on the LinkedIn platform by searching Levi Jet. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of The Industry. And also, if you like this podcast, please check out The Industry After Dark, where we go off the rails a little bit um, and talk about real anything we want, really. So, but it's a great show and a great platform. So until next time, I will see you. And thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.